Extra Level, episode 238. Mike Carpenter in the basement on a Monday afternoon, Monday evening, with Monday Night Football, a doubleheader as I'm watching the Raiders and the Browns go head-to-head. Kind of bizarre with the Bears and Vikings coming up later. This is the reality of the COVID pandemic and how it is affecting sports. And I texted Trevor and Harry, or sorry, Trevor and Isaac, though I was texting Trevor and Harry some Simpsons stuff earlier today. I said to them, I'm worried that every time I get on Twitter, I'm going to see something about Illinois, Missouri, bragging rights canceled due to COVID. I think we're all a little bit worried about that. If I were driving down to the game, I'd be checking my phone every 15 minutes. So if I had to turn around due to a cancellation, I could do so. But I mean, it is a bit nerve wracking because just as this team is really starting to kind of figure things out there is the sense that it can get at least temporarily halted. I don't think derailed. I think that what we're probably looking at is there will be the intermittent game missed here and there this season, whether that's someone on Illinois getting sick or on an opposing team. It will happen. It's almost inevitable, but not not this week. You know, Can we get this game in on Wednesday? Because vengeance needs to be served here for a series that Illinois has dominated historically. I think has won, you know, basically two thirds of the games in this Bragg and Wright series, even with three straight wins by Missouri. And that's just it. That can't happen. You cannot have Conzo Martin dominating this series. He's just at the end of the day, not a very good coach. And uh, later on, I'll get kind of into his numbers, his career numbers at Missouri, which are just mediocre, yet they have been the aggressor in the last three Bragg and Wright's games. And I can't deal with another lifeless performance by Illinois. I don't think we're going to get that. In fact, I think that this may be one of the rare Bragging Rights games where you see things get a little bit out of hand. The matchup is simply not good for Missouri. And that is to say it's really good for Illinois. And the way that Illinois has played the last calendar month, I think, should give us all a lot of optimism. This is a team that is so far from what we saw against, let's say, Marquette or Cincinnati. And even for that matter, the Kansas State and the UT Rio Grande, that was a rough week, right? And yet, since then, including the Arizona game, where, you know, you had some mistakes, of course, and I think some of that was due to Arizona, some of that was due to your own silliness, this team is playing pretty good ball, and they're playing extremely good offense. Now, there is the chance that maybe any given game, you are not going to shoot 50% from three. Right now, this team is shooting 39% from three. I think that they can essentially shoot 37.5, 38% for the year. I don't think that clip is going to be something they can't maintain because that is all within this offense. The sort of inside-outside thing they have going on right now is really effective. It's really pretty to watch. The ball movement, especially. I mean, there was a play against St. Francis on Saturday which had people audibly gasping in the crowd. And that was where everybody got a touch. It started with Plummer, and then they basically made the rounds from Kofi inside, and then they went all the way around the perimeter, and he nailed the three. That's not the last time we're going to see that this year. And if you look at how this offense has progressed and how Brad Underwood has made adjustments seemingly on the fly, I think that is the reason for greatest optimism going forward. That travels. And, of course, we're going to get more road games uh, going forward, but you can take the Iowa game. You still shot pretty well against them, and you were averaging well over 80 points a game in the last five or six games. That is probably going to stick. And the defense, at least I view it this way. You can teach a team defense, but you can't really teach them how to shoot. They really are what they are in terms of shooting, and fortunately for this team, they look to be pretty damn good. 
what Jacob Grandison is doing, what Alfonso Plummer is doing, the fact that Trent doesn't have to do that all that much. I mean, think about the ability he has now to be more of a point guard because he does have his shooters shooting. Kofi, quietly going for 20 and 10, night in, night out. You don't really have to worry about him. I expect a monster game from him on Wednesday, like a statement game. And all those things together, all of a sudden the team strength that we thought they had, which is depth, I'm not so sure about that. I think that that's going to have to be built through playing some guys like the freshmen, Luke Goody and RJ Melendez specifically. That depth is going to have to be kind of reevaluated going forward, but that's a really good starting five. And now that Grandison is in there, you got to stick with it. It is one of the most efficient offenses in the nation when he's in it. And Ken Palm would have you at 13th right now. I think that's about right. I think this is a top 15 team. Missouri, meanwhile, is 144. And while you can lose games to bad teams if you don't bring your A game, especially in a rivalry game, this strikes me more of a game that you should win by about 15 points and not really sweat it out too much. I think that's what happens. I think what's happening as a fan going into this, and you might be in the same boat as I am, it's been so long since we beat Missouri that there is this psychological component where we assume the worst may in fact happen when all logic and data would suggest that, no, that's not how this is probably going to shake out. Could it happen? Of course. But if Illinois shows up and they play like they have been the last six, seven games, I have no doubts that this will, one, be a win, but I think you might actually get some style points involved with it as well. So it should be a fun Wednesday night. It's 8 o'clock tip-off, and Trevor and I will be doing the Zoom broadcast, and we texted about that, and so close to the holidays, you know, we've made it this damn far, and it's really at this point all about being with your family on, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and trying to be as safe as we can with it. So we agreed that we would just do it remotely. I will have his face on a laptop for all you Twitch folk at home that want to watch. You'll see me and Trevor's face on a computer screen. And it worked well enough last time. Uh, Isaac is in Florida enjoying a nice trip, so you know he can enjoy the game with his family and his fiance while they're down there. And I'm sure you'll be enjoying it from home as well. But there, there is something special about this game during the holiday season. And even with all the uncertainty kind of circulating around with this Omicron crap, it is still something I'm looking forward to. And let's get a damn win. That's what this podcast is going to be about today. All right, before we get too far into this, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so you can stay inside on a cold winter's evening. Maybe on Wednesday you imbibe a few beverages and enjoy Illinois beating Missouri and celebrate with a celebratory calzone from DP Doe. Again, that's DP Doe. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior needs. And as you've seen outside, it ain't that cold. And these guys can basically work year-round. So how about you go to RectorConstruction.com. That's R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for a free estimate today. That's RectorConstruction.com. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. State Farm has, of course, great prices, but what really was excellent with these uh, folks over at Brian Hansen's State Farm Agency, they, they made the process really easy for Kara and I. Very seamless, didn't have to worry about a whole lot, and we re-upped with them for a second year, and I would recommend for anybody out there looking for any insurance coverage, start with Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com. 
vintage-inspired Illini apparel, and it might be tough for them to get you a Christmas swag in the matter of a few days, but I think that this might be a website that as we get into basketball season, you should check out for yourself or any family or friend that is looking for some new Illini apparel. This is vintage-inspired stuff, t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, you name it, they got it all, and tons of great options for basketball season. That's online at 4th and Kirby. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. I want to talk about bragging rights for a bit and why it means so much. Now, the luster has fallen off of this game. We need to be honest about that. There was a couple-year stretch when John Gross arrived that the atmosphere down there in his first and second years was phenomenal. You lost that first year when you were top 10 and Missouri was top 10, but it was a great game. I remember being there with a a buddy of mine named Clayton, and we had a great time despite the loss, and it actually felt like finally that game had a shot of adrenaline, which it sorely needed and was lacking at the end of the Weber era. Though don't sleep on it. Weber had a really good record against Missouri. And then the second year of John Gross might have been one of my favorite bragging rights games. I was there for that. Had really good seats for Tracy Abrams, kind of locking that game up with a couple free throws late. And that was a big win uh, for John Gross early on in his tenure. And at that point, I mean, Illinois had great non-conference slates in the first two John Gross years. They really did. I think at that point they might have been 10-1 and or something like that. I think they were on the verge of being ranked. And it was electric. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was still a sellout then, and it was just that straight 50-50 split with orange and blue on one side and yellow and black on the other. And made a day of it down in St. Louis, and I think it was like 5, 6 p.m. tip, which is perfect because you can pregame, and then if you win, you can celebrate later. And then the year after that was the last time I'd been down there, and that was the Ray Rice buzzer beater. Now, that game had a great finish, of course. But don't forget the fact that there was a very frustrating game. Illinois was playing a pretty bad Missouri team, and it took every bit of those 40 minutes, of course, to win it. It came down to the last shot. And not even if you look at it, a great play. I mean, Ray Rice just kind of had to hoist it up, and he made it. We were on the end where he did make it. And that was fun. It was a noon tip, and it was weird to try to party quick. You get down there at like 1030, check into your hotel room. All right, how many uh, drinks can we get in before we go into the stadium? And then you have the rest of the day in downtown St. Louis, and no offense to the city of St. Louis, but that is not always full of action at that point. So it was a fun day, but it was enough for me to say, you know what, I don't probably need to go back for a while, and I haven't been back since. I've been there five times total. And back in the the first time I would have went would have been D. Brown and James Augustine's senior year. That was, I think, the biggest blowout in the series history. Illinois won by damn near 30 points. I think Jamar Smith was red hot from three. And I remember walking around Union Station at that point with my D. Brown jersey, and there was this feeling of invincibility in that series. I think that was the sixth or seventh in a row because Bill Self had won three in a row. That would have been Bruce Weber's third in a row, ended up winning nine or ten in a row. And... More than that, it felt like you were on top of the college uh, basketball landscape and that you weren't going anywhere. Like that was your your lot in life was to be a top 10 program year in, year out. So we're right now in a weird place where Illinois as a program is in a pretty healthy spot. And I think we'll be in the top half of the Big Ten for the foreseeable future and making NCAA tournaments and occasionally making a run for a conference title or maybe a deep NCAA tournament run. Missouri, on the other hand, is probably going to be firing a coach after this year. And Conzo Martin, 
this is someone that, mind you, I wanted Conzo Martin. I cannot lie. I, I got to say that when Steve Breiweiser and I were doing the 200 level back at 93.5, back in 2015 and 2016, we wanted Conzo Martin. And I think the rationale behind that was a lot of the recruits that you would have been interested in, that would have been the ones to change the fortunes of Illinois basketball, excuse me, I don't want my voice cracked there, to change the fortunes of Illini basketball were in that St. Louis area. This was the Jeremiah Tillman and the Mark Smith and all that, Javon Pickett, if you want to throw him in there as well, who somehow is still playing at Missouri. But Conzo Martin has struggled mightily there. His first year was his best. He was 20 and 13, made the NCAA tournament, then 15 and 17, 15 and 16, 16 and 10, and this year, six and five. Now, this particular Missouri team, not very good. They lost to Missouri-Kansas City at home by 14. Missouri-Kansas City, according to Ken Palm, 229. That's not very good. Florida State, that was a loss on a neutral site by 23 points. Florida State, they are 38th, according to Ken Palm. Wichita State, a home game. They lost by six. Wichita State, 73rd in the country. Liberty, away, but still... Liberty 121 on Ken Palm, and you lost on the road to them by 21. And then Kansas, and no shame in that. It was on the road. Kansas number four in Ken Palm right now. They're a top five team in the AP, and you lost 102 to 65 in a rekindling of that former, former rivalry. Now, a week later, on December 18th, so this is just a couple days ago, they beat Utah at home by eight. Utah is 75th in Ken Palm. Not bad, not good. And there are teams in the Big Ten that are lower than that. Rutgers, for example, is more around 100. Missouri is around 144. Now, if those numbers hold and you do to Missouri what you did to Rutgers, I think we're going to have a lot of fun on Wednesday night. And while I don't anticipate a 30-point win, I do think a statement needs to be made. You need to come out and just assert your authority, assert your superiority over these guys. This is not a good basketball team. And when it comes to the matchup, that's where Illinois fans should be especially excited and think that, well, wait a second, rivalry game or not, we should actually be able to control this game from the outset. First off, Missouri is not a good offensive team at all. Three-point percentage. They shoot 24% from three. That's 354, and I don't even know how many teams they're counting here on Ken Palm. Not many more than that. It's one of the worst in the nation. Meanwhile, their three-point defense is 313 out of, what, 360 teams, something like that. They're Opponents are averaging about 37.7% from three. What does Illinois shoot? 39%. There's nothing to indicate that Illinois will not shoot around 40% or better in this game from three. If that's the case, you're going to win the game. Now, let's say you don't. Well, what about two-point field goal percentage? Well, they're okay with that. They're about 50% from two-point, but you got Kofi and you're better at two-point. <laughs> you're better at two-pointers than Missouri. Let's just call it what it is. And the fact that their strength is Kobe Brown, who is a six-foot-eight I guess center, you know, um, he is by far their best player, but you feel like you can neutralize him because Kofi. And and one thing I'll say about Kofi, you can say, well, he, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. And of course that holds here. But so far this year, knock on wood, foul trouble has not been an issue at all for Kofi. Maybe the smaller size for Kobe Brown, you might need to get a little bit of BBV in there, which by the way, BBV is settling into a role nicely off the bench. Not much of an offensive game, even though he did have a couple baskets against St. Francis. But since the Arizona game, you found that he's actually a pretty good defensive stopper, you know, for lack of a better cliche. But I look at this Missouri team, and there's not much that scares me. If they could shoot the three, I'd be scared because that's just college basketball. That's the great neutralizer. 
if you can shoot the three and you aren't as good as the other team on any given night, that can be an upset waiting to happen. But short of that, I mean, my God, 24% from three. I mean, I'm looking at their stats here and their best three point shooter. It looks to be someone shooting. I mean, basically Kobe Brown at 30% and he's only shot 20 on the year. They, they just aren't a good shooting team. And, and the fact they don't defend the three well tells me that this game could get out of hand if you were shooting it like you have been the last month. The only thing that would keep this game close is if you were not shooting well. But even then, you have Kofi and they don't. That's why I go back to the idea that this is going to be a monster game from Kofi across the board. I'm talking he's going to have some great passes from the interior out to his shooters. He's going to dominate down low just because they don't have someone that can counter that. And few teams do. But Missouri does not have the size to do that. Now, if I see a game where the great Conzo Martin, for whatever reason, gets his guys up and ready for this and it's, it's competitive throughout, I will be slightly frustrated. Ultimately, a win is all that matters. And we can put this game in the rearview mirror even if you win by a point. Let's talk worst case scenario, though. If you were to lose, what does that mean? <laughs> Without being too dramatic, you can't lose this game. For a few reasons. One, you don't want to have a loss like this on your resume. This is the thing that can knock you down a seat or two in the NCAA selection committee's mind. Missouri is not going to win a bunch more games. And in fact, Ken Palm has them losing out, essentially. Like if you just go down the list of games that they have against the competition, including Kentucky, Mississippi State, Alabama, SEC teams, the worst of which would be Ole Miss at 91 or I guess Georgia at the very end of the year at 173. But Ken Palm predicts each of those individual games to be losses, including a 14-point loss to Illinois. 14. Anything less than that, I'll be thinking, well, come on, that was kind of a lackluster performance by Illinois. But I just don't see this Missouri team probably winning many more than 10 games this year. It's just not going to happen. It would be a devastating loss for your resume. But more than that, and I do mean this, this is more of a macro thing, Kind of the psychology that I would have as a fan. I do think that this Illinois team has turned over a new leaf. That's not to say that they're going to be infallible. That's not to say they aren't going to piss us off on occasion and do silly things. I mean, the Arizona game had elements of that where you could have won that game if you didn't get in your own way. But I'm willing to suspend disbelief for a little bit here, or let me rephrase that. I'm willing to suspend my worst case scenarios when I consider that Arizona might just be really, really good. Ken Palm would agree. They're number seven in Ken Palm and a top 10 team in the AP poll, I believe. But going forward, I look at this Illinois team and think the Rutgers and the Iowa, even the Notre Dame game, Notre Dame that competed pretty well against Indiana for 35 minutes or so, that this is the new norm, a team that can score basically at will and is figuring things out defensively. You should keep Missouri under 60 points. You should still score your customary 75, 80 points without much of a problem against them. And when you consider that, this should be a 15 or 20 point win. People could say, careful, Carp, you know, don't, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Listen, Missouri is one of the worst teams you're going to play the rest of the year. I mean, they're worse than Nebraska, according to Ken Palm. The only team worse than Missouri you're going to play the rest of this season is Florida A&M. And that is next Wednesday. If that game happens again, I mean, that, that's the funny thing about this. I'm recording this podcast. And for all I know, the next time, I log on to Twitter. I'm going to see, well, Dragon Rights canceled. It's just, it's something that I'm nervous about because I really want this game to happen. And I want the big games to happen. You know, the Michigans and the Purdue's of the world, I want those games to happen. And it seems like there's always that risk 
that are the worst possible times. Someone gets COVID and you got to shut things down for a bit. But yeah, guys, it doesn't get much easier than this. And you could say, well, it's a neutral side game. Not really. Come on, Missouri's going to have maybe 25% of the fans in there. It's not a true neutral site game. You will have the majority of fans. That will be a home court. And especially if you get out to a good early weed and you just shut them up from the outset, yes, you will have a home away from home in St. Louis. So I don't buy this notion that this is some sort of you know, hostile environment. It really is not. It's certainly not like this game used to be. And if anything, I, I don't know if I doubt this team in hostile environments as we saw against Iowa, an Iowa team that is far better than this Missouri team, an Iowa team that can actually shoot the ball, unlike this Missouri team. This is not me trying to rationalize myself into thinking, oh yeah, it's just going to be a blowout, or it's not me trying to talk myself out of being fearful, but there's nothing to be fearful of except for the fact that you've lost three in a row. And that is our institutional knowledge kicking in. It is the knowledge that this series historically has been a very streaky one. And that when teams get going on a heater, it's sometimes hard to change the tide in this Bragg and Wright series. But my God, every element and every everything I look at with this game, it's right there for you. And I would not have been saying the same thing if this team were still playing like it was back around Thanksgiving. But the fact is they are not. This is a much improved team. They figured something out. You know, I mentioned the opening segment. I got to give Brad Underwood credit. He has shown sometimes a remarkable ability to make the larger wholesale changes to his entire system if that's what makes the most sense for the personnel. And the efficiency with which he did that, I mean, we lose Stephen Gentry, and I think we're all worried that, well, will we have that offensive guru? Well, Maybe Underwood's that offensive guru. I don't know who necessarily decided that we were going to go from this ball screen offense to more of a you know, motion sort of thing that they're running right now. But whoever made that ultimate call, and I'm guessing it's Underwood, it has worked out beautifully. And there's nothing I think that's going to slow that down. As long as this team currently constructed stays healthy, and as long as the shooters keep getting the same looks that they are, there's nothing that's going to dramatically slow down this offensive output. This is like Iowa last year. I, I don't think the Illinois team currently constructed, is a Final Four threat. But they can shoot lights out, and that will win you a good number of games in the Big Ten. I, I got to give credit to Underwood. You know, I, I really do, because for those little moments in games, like let's say Cincinnati, where you made no adjustments, you couldn't figure it out, we were scratching our head and thinking, well, why can't this coaching staff, why can't Underwood make the in-game adjustments? I'm sure that that will rear its ugly head sometime and maybe even soon where we're saying the same thing. But when it comes to making big changes to adapt to who you have, that was impressive how quickly quickly they did that. I mean, this team, the way they're playing right now, if they were to play Illinois last year at this same time, going into this Missouri game, right? Where was Illinois then? Where is Illinois now? I think this Illinois team is playing better. Now they don't have Io, so they don't have that guy that's closed out a bunch of games. So when push comes to shove, maybe last year's Illinois team on December 20th, 2021, maybe they would still have the edge. But in terms of who is playing better basketball, it's this 2021 version. Doesn't mean that they have as high of a ceiling. I don't think they do. Without Curbelo, and we're going to get to that in a second, uh, without him, it's hard to say that this team is quite as good at the end of the day as last year. But right now, right now they figured something out. And it's exciting to watch. I mean, I got to say just aesthetically, this is a fun brand of basketball to watch. Defensively, they have some improvements to make, though I do think that you've seen in uh, the last few games, 
they have had an ability to, after the first five minutes, really kind of settle down defensively. The Arizona game, we could say, is the aberration. And certainly they didn't make the stops when they needed to. But I think as the year goes on, I hope at least, we look back on that more to do with Arizona just being really damn good. I said in the last podcast, uh, last Thursday, last Friday, that this team strikes me as like a 13-7 and seven in the Big Ten. Good for second or third in conference. And Ken Palm currently has them, go figure, 13 and 7 in the Big Ten. And there's some toss up games there. So you could work your way up to 15 and 5. If you have some bad luck, it could be 11 and 9. You never know. Regardless, that would be good enough for the tournament. And I do think that falls squarely in line with the idea that other than Purdue, you do have a chance to finish second or third in this conference. Ohio State has EJ Liddell. They're figuring some things out. Are they a top 10 team? No. So the fact that they're eighth, I, I think. Uh, was it Andy Katz or Seth Davis? I think had them eighth. They are not the eighth best team in the country. I, I don't buy that for a second. Wisconsin? No, stop it. Johnny Davis is pretty good, but no, I'm not buying that any way, shape, or form. Michigan State, pretty good. Sneaky good. Michigan, they got a lot to figure out. But you are, according to Ken Palm, the second best team in the Big Ten. And I think that is realistic. You're a great shooting team. You have size. I think defensively you can figure things out. Um, and then this comes down to one more factor, which I wanted to talk about real quick. And and in doing so, I am sort of, well, <laughs> there's no way to do this and not be speculative about it, but Andre Crabello, it's getting to the point of the season where if he's not right, you can't really bring him back for his own health, for one. And that's, again, speculative because I don't even know what the affliction is. I don't know if it's mental or physical or some combination thereof, but I don't know if you can risk bringing him back for himself. And I also don't know what he'd uh, bring to the table if he did come back. If this is some sort of weird kind of mysterious thing going on, you can't really count on him. And he would help, I'm sure, just in terms of ball handling and, and having another guy off the bench. And actually, I think that if he were to get right, and, and whatever that means, right, if he were to get right, he could still have a very good year as almost a role player on this team. I think being the point guard off the bench would be a beautiful spot for him to come back into things. I want to see him out there. I just don't know if it's going to happen. And if it is a 50-50 proposition, you got to err on the side of caution. Whatever, again, <laughs> we don't know what it is, and they're being kind of vague about it, and I'm, I'm sure there are reasons why they are, but you know, it, it's it's... A bummer, because that does inherently change how we prognosticate this team and how good they can be. How good I thought they were going to be was based on Andre Crabello being a superstar, and he gave us so many reasons and so many indications last year that that's where he was trending, superstar kind of level. Well, right now, he's a complete non-factor, and I don't know when that changes around. So just something I needed to kind of throw out there real quick. I was at the game on Saturday. And a fun game it was, you know, I sat next to my sister and my two nieces and it was just fun to kind of settle back and not have a game quite as meaningful as Arizona. That's kind of an understatement and just watch basketball and enjoy it. And it was a beautiful offensive display from Illinois and Andre Crabella would not slow that down. I think he would slot right into what they're doing and he would add the pick and roll game, uh, which would just make your offense that much deadlier. And he could play within himself if he did come back. But it really did feel like there was a great opportunity in this stretch with St. Francis, Missouri, and Florida A&M to come back. And I don't think he is. So then you get into Big Ten play, and how do you work a guy into the gauntlet of the Big Ten? I don't know how that works, and I don't know how you ease a guy in who is clearly dealing with something that 
even the coaching staff and the training staff probably doesn't know quite how to deal with. But, man, it's all just a big mystery, isn't it? I hope he's okay. I hope he plays more basketball for Illinois. I would hate, and I got nothing to base this on, but I would just absolutely hate if, for whatever reason, he never donned an Illinois jersey again because he is way too much fun to watch, and I really felt like he was going to be the next face of Illinois basketball. He still can be. He still can be, and I think, though, as the year goes on, you need to determine whether or not it is useful to use a year of eligibility. Now, if you think for whatever reason that he is going to leave after four years, period, like he just says, I'm going to go play pro ball somewhere, then fine. I I don't think you waste a a red shirt on him. I think you just bring him back, even if it's for 10 games. But, yeah, there's just a lot of factors to consider here. And the longer we go without any substantive substantive updates – I just don't know what you can bank on. And at that point, you know, as a somewhat cynical Illini fan or really just sports fan where the longer you aren't told specifics about a certain injury, you just think, ah, they aren't coming back. The Austin Hutcherson effect, right? I mean, eventually you just knew he wasn't really going to be a factor. We could have predicted that when he had a bruised tailbone at the start of the year. And now it's something completely different. And it's like, yeah, well, it was going to be something. And it's a shame, you know, because... There are some guys that are injury prone. There's some guys that just have bad luck. I don't want Corbello to be one of those. I don't want it to be what could have been. And the longer this goes, there's that creeping doubt of, man, will he ever get back to what he was doing? And and for him, it has to be scary as hell. Whatever is going on, it has to be scary as hell. And yet, he's on the sideline. You know, he's a great teammate. It doesn't seem to be any sort of like acrimonious thing between him and the coaching staff. He's very much a member of this program. I, I just hope that he can do it on court sooner rather than later. So Wednesday night, bragging rights, 8 o'clock. Again, 15 to 20 point win. Don't don't sweat it. And if we are sweating it, well, that's a problem. And we will be discussing that during the live broadcast. It is just weird, everybody. Uh, to be honest, it's weird to be sitting here on December 20th, 2021, a year after all we did were the Zoom cast during games. And I would have Trevor and Isaac on those. And I'd be upstairs in the sunroom because the basement studio wasn't really done. And yet here we are a year later kind of hunkering down again. It is different. You know, we actually have tools to kind of keep us relatively safe and all this. And, you know, I was telling Trevor and Isaac that right now it's sort of the feeling of when there's a tornado watch. And you're like, ooh, you're like you're tuning into TV just to see severe weather roll through because there's this curiosity, right? And almost a morbid curiosity about things like that. So as this variant is kind of, you know, pummeling through the entire world, um, you know, there's this sort of, um, there's this part of me that has this, I don't want to say excitement, but you just kind of are always tuning into the news and, and tuning in to see what happens next, right? It's, it's like any natural disaster, things like that. You're just kind of seeing this unfold and it's hard not to find fascinating. But the problem is it's hitting all of us at the worst possible time because this was a Christmas that I think was super meaningful to a bunch of people, including to our family after everything my mom went through earlier this year and and now that we get to do it again and and I'm going through this week just like don't get COVID don't get COVID you know not this week of any weeks if I get it a week and a half from now who cares right I mean I'll handle it it'll be fine I'll have a cold for a few days and then I'll move on with my life but not before Christmas not now COVID and what is sure to be a very weird January I mean an example of that is when Michigan comes to town if they do you know, who knows, on January 14th, that our sister and brother-in-law from Michigan, Kara's side of the family, they were going to come down for the Michigan game. 
book a hotel, make a weekend of it. Well, we can't say for certain what January 14th is going to look like. And even if it's just numbers are up and hospitalizations are not, then all of a sudden there's uncertainty on their end. Do we make the six-hour trip for a game that might not happen? These are things that we're going to have to start considering again, and I hate it. I hate it for the people that are driving to St. Louis. I hate it for the fact that you got all these big games in mid-January at the State Farm Center. You know, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State, all within a week and a half of each other. And that they might be in danger or in limbo of not happening or getting postponed. I would hate that because I've been circling those dates for a long time. Now, of course, there's things more important than a basketball game. Um, But I think a lot of us are at the point in the pandemic where we're back to living. And all of a sudden, the pandemic's like, nope, nope, hold on a second. I got one more thing to say about that. And you're thinking, get the hell out of here. So... You know, it's been a long, strange, strange saga, and I know that we talked about this a lot more last year and, you know, when emotions were probably running high during the pandemic for everybody. But I sit here almost like completely unemotional about it, if that's a word, um, not emoting, I should say, because it, it's just there's a fatigue with it and a sort of, yeah, it is what it is. It's just there's going to be variants. There's going to be all these things over time. Um, I, I just hate the uncertainty that's causing for people this time of year. I mean, if it, let's just say that this were a month later. It's mid-January, and God forbid, Valentine's Day might get screwed up. Who cares? I, I think we would get over it. Um, but as we're seeing in professional sports, this is having a direct impact on, on the games that we want to watch. In college sports, big time. We're starting to see game after game get canceled or postponed. And it's like, oh, God, when am I going to log on Twitter and see it? What, what podcast am I going to record? And then it's going to be null and void an hour later because of breaking news. I mean, I, I just can see it happening. And that's not even being an alarmist. That's really just kind of being realistic about it. So I'm looking forward Wednesday night. And you should join us on Twitch, twitch.com forward slash the 200 level. I'm looking forward to doing a broadcast of a game that has meant a lot at this time of year. Um, for me and my family for my entire life. I mean, it's the kind of game that really you can carry over into the Christmas holiday. And I have many times in my life. I think back to, I mean, to me, the, the, the peak of it was when Bill Self got here. And you won those first two years in close fashion, right? In the first year of Bill Self, you won o- OT. And it was Frank that helped you close that out. And that was big because you lost four straight to them. I think Lon Kruger, or maybe three straight. Lon Kruger won his first game against Missouri, didn't win the rest. Bill Self went 3-0. Bruce Weber, I think, won his first seven in a row before losing the last couple. Uh, John Gross actually went undefeated. You know, this is the kind of game that I look at, and as an Illini fan, it still means something. Even if the game has lost some luster, it means something. And I also, for Brad Underwood's sake, I want him to start building that resume. You know, it it does matter. It's not at the top of the list. You want Big Ten titles. You want NCAA tournament runs. But part of the reason you can look back on the Bill Self era fondly, well, he went 3-0 against Missouri. Or part of the reason you can't really completely crap on Bruce Weber is, well, he kicked Missouri's ass more often than not. John Gross, well, he wasn't great, but uh, he did beat Missouri. Brad Underwood, he's pretty good. Oh, but he couldn't beat Missouri. Let's not get to that. I, I don't want that caveat. I don't want, well, he was great, except just like Juan Kruger. When Bill Self got here and they won that Missouri game, it had a lot more pop to it because I remember thinking to myself as a you know 14-year-old kid, oh, I like Juan Kruger, but he just couldn't win that damn game. And it got frustrating because even though I didn't know any Missouri fans personally, I hated losing to them. And then you go to a few of these games and you have the occasional run-in with a Missouri fan and you really want to beat their asses. 
figuratively speaking, of course, I, I don't think I'd do very well in a street fight. But that's kind of where we're at right now with Brad Underwood. This is a bit of a put-up-or-shut-up game for him more than any player on that court. Of course, Trent wants to win it. He won his first game against Missouri, has lost three straight. Same with DeMonte. Of course, those guys want it. Of course, every guy in that locker room wants it. But really, the long-term play here is Brad Underwood and a legacy that he continues to build. And things are healthy as they've ever been with Illinois basketball, at least in the last 20 years. They're really, really healthy and so many reasons for optimism. But don't let this be that thing that you really dread around holiday season. This is an opportunity to start rattling off a bunch of wins against this scrub program that Kanza was running down there. And he is really getting them down in the dredges. I mean, that is a bad program with not a lot to be excited about. So kick them while they are down. The proverbial neck, or not neck on the foot. No, sorry. The foot on the neck. That I think that's the expression. Yeah, it's time to really just kick some ass in this game. I think they do. All right. Prediction? Should I give a score to it before we get, to, uh, before we get out of here? I'm going to say Illinois, 78, Missouri. 61. 17-point win. Defense shows up. Offense does well enough, and there you go. Now, that is my prediction. What is that? 78-61, and I'll stick to it. We'll be here Wednesday night, Trevor and myself, for a live broadcast around 9 o'clock for the second half. It is a Big Ten Network game, so just like last year was, what, SEC Network or one of the SEC Network mirror channels, and we had a hell of a time finding that. Well, now Missouri fans get to figure out how to find the Big Ten Network. I, I don't think they'll have a problem with that, and maybe someday this game will get back to the level where you're getting ESPN, as it should be. But for now, you are on the conference channels, and it's going to take both programs being good again, I think, to get this thing rolling. And I hope it doesn't get to the point where they'd ever consider dropping it. Because if you look at the ticket availability, I mean, Missouri, their entire upper deck is basically available. And there's going to be thousands of empty seats. I know the pandemic doesn't help, right? But I think, as we've seen at the State Farm Center, people are still going to go to these events. They're going to take that risk, and myself included. I'm going to go to these games at the State Farm Center. But this game, is it worth traveling three hours for as it presently stands? Probably not. So kudos to you who are driving down. I mean, if you're still making that trip, rock on. Enjoy it. Get good and drunk as you should at the Bragging Rights game. That's what it's good for. Well, it's good for other things, but that's one of the good things it's good for. And... uh it should be a good time and a good Wednesday night for Illini fans. I'm pretty confident about that. All right, time to get out of here. Uh, the 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. You can uh, order anything from a custom calzone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone all online at dpdoe.com, and they deliver to your door anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. One more time. That's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, even a hoodie. Plenty of great options for basketball season at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. And as you're finding out with this mild winter so far, this is really a 12-month-a-year kind of gig. So go online and get a free estimate today from rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Brian is our guy. He can be your guy for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level got to thank you listeners and as we end in the near near the end i apologize i've had a few more verbal miscues today near the end of 2021 
Um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys have stuck with us through thick and thin, uh, some lean times for Illini sports, but really overall an, an encouraging year for both of the revenue programs. Uh, maybe another time I'll talk about the women's basketball program after they lose by 20 at SIU yesterday. That's another story for another day. But thank you for plugging along with us. And as we are coming to the end of this very eventful 2021, I'm hoping that the first quarter of 2022 brings nothing but good vibes for you and your family, but also success for Illinois basketball. And I think it will. If not crazy, crazy success, I really do feel optimistic that this team is rounding into form a little bit ahead of schedule. And I think that ultimately that will pay dividends in the Big Ten. But don't lose to Missouri. In fact, let's make this a no-doubter so we are not sweating it out. And Trevor and I can just have a jolly old time during the second half. And you can join us, twitch.com or twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level. All right, everybody. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, especially ahead of Christmas time. And we will see you Wednesday night. It is the 200 level. Peace.